Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Vid Desai, the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. Vid, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you on. You are a new CIO of sorts. We had uh, your predecessor on about a year ago, so there's a lot to catch up with. But the big news and the big reason we're talking today is just recently, the FDA launched, maybe isn't the right word, but initiated the new Office of Digital Transformation. Let's get a little bit of background about what that is and uh, tell me about your role in leading that office. It's an honor to lead the FDA and the IT organization uh, at such a critical time with everything going on around us in the healthcare uh, environment. FDA's broad mission means that data is very critical to pretty much everything we do. We regulate billions of products that are uh, used in American homes every day, and so our work impacts every American every single day. And science and data are at the heart of everything we do as an agency. And so this reorganization that we just announced basically recognizes the importance and the strategic role that IT plays in all aspects of the agency's operations. Good IT and data management will fundamentally improve and help scale what FDA does uh, as part of its work. And we're taking an integrated approach to enterprise technology, data, and cybersecurity. And our aim is to increase the efficiency, effectiveness of everything that we do within the FDA by uh, making really good use of data and technology. And the reorganization basically ensures that our IT and data capabilities and efficiencies are implemented at the organizational level and more collaboratively with uh, individual centers and offices. So that's some of uh, what's behind our uh, uh, recent announcement. Some would say, well, wasn't that the role of the CIO from the beginning? And some would say, this is not new. I mean, data, IT, and cyber has always been really important, and you always want to increase the efficiency, effectiveness. Was there some impetus that really had the FDA say, this made more sense than the way we were organized previously? Yes, very much so. So I think some of you may be familiar with our Technology Modernization Action Plan, which we published in 2019. Uh, We followed that up with a Data Modernization Action Plan um, uh, in early 2021. And... Throughout our modernization journey, we recognized the importance of uh, taking more of an enterprise approach to uh, IT and data. Our legacy ways of working has resulted in a number of siloed applications and a very fragmented data environment, which makes it really hard for us to do some very basic things across centers or across the agency. And so uh, part of what we needed to do was elevate the IT organization to a level where we could uh, we could drive more enterprise activity and reduce the number of silos and the amount of fragmentation. And to do that effectively, we needed to elevate the stature of the IT organization. And that's a, a, a primarily one of the, the main reasons for announcing the reorganization. It elevates the agency's IT data and cybersecurity to agency level. That's something that we've never had. Uh, within the FDA, and it improves our ability to govern more effectively to reduce the duplication and the fragmentation that I just spoke about that occurs when we work in in a, uh, in a more of a organizational siloed manner. And, and a lot of this also means that you're, as the CIO, how you report to the head of the FDA, uh, the director, is that, was this, uh, is that also part of the change? Because if you report to the leadership in a more direct way, then you have more authority. Your role is bigger to to drive that technology, data, cyber change. Very, very much so. And I think I think the key word there is driving change. 
So what we're, we're wanting to do, um, you know, I spoke about, you know, um, the, our legacy ways of working has, has created many siloed applications and fragmentation of data. Now, when you take more of an enterprise approach, we do this to basically drive or at least reduce the amount of duplication and waste that occurs when you when you work in a more of a solid environment. That effectively means that you're driving change. Think people are going to have to do some things differently. And when you're driving change, it's important to be able to do that from uh, a place where you can govern more effectively. When you're buried several levels down in the organization, it's it's harder to you know, to to impose that that governance. Um, and that's the reason why it was important for IT to be elevated. So we have a full seat at the table where we can be part of the discussion uh, that formulates the, st- the strategic direction of the agency. And then, you know, we can we can look at how can IT um, uh, support uh, uh, those 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 strategies and the, and the priorities that we're establishing at the uh, executive level. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the, your short term, your immediate goals for the Office of Digital Transformation. And, and then also, how's it different than maybe the former CIO's office? I think you've kind of answered that in the sense of where it sits, the, the enterprise view. But is there is there what are some of your initial goals, and then how does that kind of compare to what you wanted to do or were doing as the as in the CIO's office? I mentioned the the technology modernization action plan and the data modernization action plan. Um, we are uh, continuing our our progression towards that, and you know, even when we when we announced or released the technology modernization action plan in 2019, part of that modernization was to modernize our uh, uh, approach to IT and 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 how we were organized. Uh, so this reorganization is is part of that. With the data modernization action plan, the publication of that. We emphasize the importance data plays to everything we do at the FDA. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that you know we are fundamentally a, a data and science organization, and data is central to everything we do from a regulatory decision-making perspective, how we optimize our internal operations. It plays a big, big role, and so we're using data to to really rethink our entire approach to IT. Uh, so in the past, you know, what, what people focused a lot on technology and data, uh, technology and applications, and, and not enough thought was given to, you know, whether those technologies and applications were, were creating useful data sets. We're now taking an, an approach where we're starting with the data. What can we do from a technology um, a, a perspective to create good usable data? Because frankly, when we put data to use, uh, great things happen from a business process perspective, uh, from an operations perspective. So, so our fundamental principle behind everything we, we, we do in IT is to start looking at things from, from, from the perspective of how can we create, process, and use data uh, in the most effective manner. So that's, that's sort of a, 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 a some of our focus. And obviously the other area that, that we're also prioritizing is too often in IT, um, we do things that are not very well aligned with business priorities or business processes. And so um, given the, the elevation of the uh, organization and having um, representation right at, the, right at the very top, we are now making sure that everything we do in IT is very tightly aligned with our business priorities. And that only helps us eliminate waste. But also the, the other thing it does from an IT perspective is instead of trying to do everything to please everybody, we're going to focus on what is really important. What's the stuff that really makes sense and delivers value and focus on prioritizing those activities over trying to do everything for everybody. I want to go back to something you said about rethinking your approach, putting data in the front end or at the beginning versus the tech and apps in the beginning, and then hopefully you, you find useful data sets. How does that require you to change the thinking of your staff, of, of the FDA more broadly? 
it basically builds on, on something we've seen in IT for a very long time. Applications and technologies come and go. Uh, in fact, the average lifespan of an application or, or, or technology is between three to five years. And so, so I think, you know, uh, from an IT perspective, we shouldn't be overly focused on applications. The thing that is of strategic value, the stuff that sticks around and is useful to an organization long-term is the data, the data that we create, uh, the longitudinal data. So, so, so you know, in, in the healthcare um, uh, environment, they, it's all about data. And, and, and so, you know, we don't want to be too hung up on what application we use or, you know, how strategic an application is. We use applications to basically see if it's creating and generating the, 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 the strategic data sets that, that we can use effectively to, do, uh, to deliver our mission of, of, of ensuring that everything, all the products that we regulate uh, are safe and effective uh, for the American population. One of the other pieces of this, which I think is is interesting, is the governance side. Can you just give us a sense of how the governance will change? Because, as you said, not, not only does the, the you as the CIO and, and your folks have a seat at the table, you know, generally speaking, one would hope you always had a seat at the table. But it's it, how are you kind of addressing new governance around through this Office of Digital Transformation? So we need to take a very balanced approach to governance. If you look at the FDA uh, holistically, we are made up of a number of very important centers. The Center for, for Drugs, Devices, Biologics, we have a veterinary uh, side. So there are some very unique things that we do from those centers. And those unique uh, activities need to continue. So, so it is impossible for the FDA to take a one-size-fits-all approach to, to what we do um, uh, as an agency. But on the other hand, there are many things that we do that could be done more in common. They, they, they have a lot of stuff in, 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 in common. So it doesn't make sense for us to do those common things in a fragmented, uh, siloed manner. It's a lot more efficient for us to pull those from uh, at the enterprise level and do them in a, in a consistent, common manner. So, so that's what we're trying to do through, through, through the governance. You know, we want to be, we want to take this very balanced approach where places where we, we, we have to be unique, either because of uh, regulations or statutory, statutory requirements, we will continue doing those in the center-specific ways. But the activities that that uh, we can and do um, um, uh, more in, more common across the enterprise, we want to do that in a very consistent, standardized, efficient way, and that's where the governance really helps. Again, in the past, when the enterprise IT organization was not quite at the, uh, uh, at the level it is right now, it was hard for us to effectively govern and, and, and affect change um, uh, at the center level. I think with the new structure, um, uh, we, we have an organization now at a level where we can, we can take that balanced approach that I just spoke about. And I know, what you, you know in many ways you're talking about things like email, common core technologies, right? Things where, that everybody uses, but then if, if one missionary needs a very specific application, that can be done kind of not, not a one-off, but, but that can be overseen by your office, but that missionary can take the technology, bring in the, the areas they need to be successful. That, that's kind of what you're, you're pointing toward. Some of that, yes. I mean, you know, some applications, infrastructure applications, lend themselves to 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 just be common. I mean, I think in today's world, we have given up arguing about different people needing different networks or or email systems and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of uh, there's great understanding that those uh, areas we obviously need to take a enterprise te- technology approach. But I'm also thinking about certain business processes that could be enterprise wide. 
there's no reason for us to do finance in 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 in, in different ways across the centers. There's no way, no reason for us to do HR uh, types of activities um, using different technologies or products. Um, so we can take a much more consistent approach to many of the of the standard administrative functions. But even on the business side, you know how we do inspections uh, from an FDA perspective. There's a lot of common ways we could common things we could do from an inspections perspective. And, and, and right now, the historical uh, uh, environment that we come from, even some, some fundamentally fundamental business processes like inspections and, and things like that are done in a, in a very siloed, fragmented manner. And, and now increasingly, we are looking at those and seeing which portions of those, those processes can we do more effectively by taking more of an enterprise approach. All right, a lot more to dig out from there. But Vid, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Vid Desai the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Vid Desai, the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. Now, Vid, before break, we were talking a lot about this new Office of Digital Transformation, the fact that you uh, are now leading that new office, but you also have a new title, if you will, a new role. You were the CTO. I think you joined the FDA uh, in, in 2019 or thereabouts, and you came in from the private sector. So first of all, let's start with that new role. You went from CTO to CIO. What's that mean for you? What's that mean from a, a job perspective? How are you going to have to look at your job a little differently? Prior to coming to the FDA, I had held a number of CIO roles uh, within the uh, private sector. I came in um, in 2019 as uh, Chief Technology Officer, and my immediate focus there was to work with Dr. Abernathy, who was the acting CIO at that point in time. And the, the, the reason we went with a CTO role was we wanted to stabilize our internal uh, IT operations. In the past, I think we had some weaknesses there and uh, some areas where we needed to stabilize our environment. So our, our first approach, and we talk about this in the team app, was the first priority was to just stabilize uh, our environment and start to modernize it. Um, so that's where my focus has been so far. So the majority of the work we've done in the last 18 months, two years that I've been with the FDA has been in that how do we just optimize our operations? How do we just make it much more effective, aligned to, to what the business wants us to, to do? Now, shifting towards the CIO role, where I'm going to be focusing my, uh, my, my attention to is more of the strategic alignment between what the business wants to do and, and business needs and, and the IT priorities. I think there's some room for improvement there. And I think uh, uh, in the past, there's been um, uh, some areas where we weren't as tightly aligned between the business needs and the IT needs. And that's going to be a, a, a big part of our focus. I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, from an IT perspective, like many shops, many IT shops, we sometimes try to do way too much. We try to do everything that's asked of us. And clearly, you know, there is in a complex organization like the FDA, uh, it's not possible to be able to do all of that, uh, meet all the needs. And so uh, um, another area that, that I'm going to be focusing on is uh, helping the IT organizations, both, both at the enterprise level as well as, as at the center level, to focus on what's important. What's the stuff that will make the biggest difference um, in delivering our core uh, agency mission and focusing on those? So instead of trying to do everything for everybody, we're going to focus on what's really, really important. Do a, a, a little bit of a, a prioritized uh, set of activities, but do them really, really well. So, so that's a, a, one of the shifts or, or changes that we're going to be driving through the organization with better alignment on the business side. That alignment, you mentioned that several times, business process reengineering, you talked about this idea of 
common core technologies or common core business areas, data, are you setting up or is this the Office of Digital Transformation, does that include some sort of folks who focus on the business lines? I think we've, you know, a lot of people call it different things, but, but you know, kind of you have folks who have are business line owners or, or some sort of reorganization within the Office of Digital Transformation that will be business driven. One of the things that we're doing uh, at the FDA um, is we're also putting a lot of thought in terms of how do we create more of a um, enterprise business strategy? Uh, that the IT folks and other uh, uh, operation uh, teams can kind of align their strategies towards. And so we've got this uh, uh, concept of an enterprise transformation operation team uh, that's been created again at the uh, commissioner level that is basically starting to look at business processes and business priorities across the agency and starting to create a strategic business plan. And that's the alignment that we need. So think of that as a parallel activity to what we're doing at the, at the IT level, but we need both of them to be very tightly aligned so that uh, we can deliver on, on, on the one point that I keep emphasizing, which is really tight alignment between what IT does and what the business needs. So this enterprise transformation operation uh, team that uh, we're kicking off uh, uh, from the commissioner side, I think is, is an area that supplements or supports much of what we're trying to drive from an IT strategy side. To, to kind of bring the business alignment and the IT alignment tightly together. Can you just talk maybe a little bit more about that enterprise transformation team? You know, when we were thinking about this, one of the, 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 the guiding principles uh, uh, that I uh, was uh, very passionate in, in, in ensuring is it should not be an IT-led activity. That needs to be a business-led activity with business owners. And so we're, uh, we've got a, a, a business leader leading that activity, reporting directly to the commissioner, and they're working across all of our uh, centers to start identifying um, the center priorities, uh, helping pull what uh, business processes may be common across those, those uh, uh, business needs, and then working with IT to see how we can uh, help support those common enterprise business processes. So that's the approach we're taking, but, but it needs to be something completely uh, independent of IT and should have a, a full representation from the business side. Uh, one of the reasons I'm not in favor of IT business support teams uh, doing that work is when you look at business processes from an IT lens, it's fundamentally uh, flawed in that it just puts a lot of IT biases in terms of what we want to do, how we want to do things. I think it's it's important that we prioritize business completely separate from IT needs, uh, uh, focus uh, uh, focus on it from what what makes sense from a business perspective, and then see how IT can support those needs. That independence, um, um, I think, is very, very uh, um, important to get that business alignment right. I think that's a smart move because so many times, you're right, that if it's IT-led, there's a bias. Oh, well, you know, you guys could use AI and AI, and then the IT person gets all excited and the business person goes, yeah, okay, let's use some AI. And <laughs> the next thing you know, you're down a path that maybe Thank doesn't you. support their oh. needs. Yes, spot on. When we look at business needs from an IT perspective, A, we can never be as close to the business as the business can be. But B, oftentimes we end up uh, from an IT perspective, basically uh, getting solutions, looking for problems as opposed to the other way around. And then the, the shiny object syndrome, of course, but we, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole different discussion. Uh, and, that's I wanna... kind of weird, and that's why we're taking the, the approach that we're taking, which is, you know, let's, let's stand up a team that can, that can basically identify and create that business strategy that works across that that balances again the the center specific needs and the enterprise needs and then align IT to those needs. 
I do know a lot of vendors do listen to my show and we're going to maybe talk about the, the vendor piece later in the show, but before I think this is a good time to bring this up. Do you foresee these enterprise transformation teams will be public? Will people know who to go to? Because I think a lot of times vendors will want to come to you, but you may say, no, you need to talk to the business folks first and understand their problem, their challenge, then how IT can help them. Is there any plans to kind of get the word out about who the leaders are or who the co-leaders are? Yes. I mean, you know, we're still in our early days of uh, thinking about this. So these are some very early uh, discussions taking place. And I think as soon as we've got all, uh, all of it fleshed out and, uh, and uh, fully baked, I think, um, I, I think we'll be following up with a, uh, with a more formal communications plan. All right. Good to see. Good to see. You mentioned earlier on that obviously you came to the FDA in 2019 as the CTO. Before that, you spent your, I think, your entire career in in the private sector. How did you end up coming to the FDA? I think sometimes these stories are some of the best where did you just, you know, apply for a job? Did someone call you up and say, hey, Vid, you'd be perfect for this? How, how did it all come together? It's a really interesting story here. But um, so, so yeah, I, uh, I spent about 30 years in private industry. Uh, mainly working around the FDA. So my early career was with uh, pharmaceuticals like GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, I transitioned from Glaxo to uh, clinical research organizations, worked for the largest uh, clinical research organization out there, um, Quintas Transnational, which goes by IQEA now. And then the last 10 years or so, uh, I spent working with a number of private equity firms, uh, basically in the medical device manufacturing um, uh, companies. And my private equity experience was primarily to work with assets that they had either bought uh, or merged or divested uh, from larger organizations and to optimize them and create greater value. So uh, essentially, my focus has always been in terms of optimizing the IT environment. And obviously, it drives a lot of the business uh, optimization as well and creating uh, greater value. And how that translated into me coming to the FDA uh, uh, is the uh, acting CIO and uh, principal deputy commissioner, former principal deputy commissioner, Dr. Uh, uh, Amy Abernathy, somebody that I knew from industry. And she and I were talking about this, and uh, I had not given any thought to joining federal government. But uh, in her uh, acting CIO role, uh, she basically said, you know, felt that uh, the optimizing experience that I um, was doing in the private equity uh, area might be really interesting to try and see if if some of that could work in the federal government. And uh, and so she twisted my arm to come do some service and. and that's how I came to, to the FDA. And, uh, you know, what I was struck by uh, the FDA and, and one of the main reasons I joined is when I went through the interview process and interviewed the center directors and, and, and leaders and I, and I met them, I was just floored by the level of, of talent and skills uh, and the dedication to service that I saw in each one of them. Any one of these individuals, you know, they're, they're world leaders, world experts in their fields could easily go elsewhere and make uh, uh, you know many multiples of, of the amount of dollars that they are making at the FDA, but they stay here for the passion and the um, and the importance of the mission, and that's what what, what ultimately convinced me that uh, maybe this is a, this is a good place to come and uh, uh, see what I can do, and um, and I have to say that ever since I joined, I have completely enjoyed uh, my activity. What we do at the federal government is more complicated and more impactful than anything that I have ever seen or done uh, in the uh, uh, private uh, uh, industry. And, uh, and that motivates me. I enjoy it. Uh, the scale is huge. Uh, the, the impact is, uh, is phenomenal. Um, and it's a great place to be if, uh, if you want to make a, a difference. And uh, I feel, especially at a time like, the, like what we went through over the last uh, 18 months, uh, uh, 24 months of the pandemic, I couldn't be in a more impactful place uh, in healthcare than where I am today.
That's a great story. I love the fact that uh, Dr. Abernathy twisted your arm, so to speak. And uh, I mean, had you ever thought about coming to the federal government? I, I have to be honest and say no, I, I had not. And um, um, she, she did a great sales job. And, and like I said, the center directors and the caliber of, of people that, that I'd be, be able to work with, you know, once, once I met them and, 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 and saw, you know, what the FDA was all about, it was an easy sale. And I'll tell you, you know, the, the, the other part about, about the, uh, you know, despite having worked around the FDA for almost 30 years, I don't think I fully appreciated the massive scale uh, at which the FDA operates. I mean, if you think about uh, our mission, we regulate products that add up to 20 cents of every dollar uh, we spend in America. It's billions of different products. I don't think I'd appreciated just the magnitude of impact that the FDA has, despite having worked around it in the healthcare industry for over 30 years. I think you have to really come into the agency, work at the agency to, to kind of understand the scope and the magnitude of, of what the FDA does. That is absolutely a common refrain I hear from many people who come from the private sector to the government, uh, both the impressive people and the work that you do, but also the scale that they do it in. Vid, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Vid Desai, the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Vid Desai, the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. Vid, first uh, couple segments, we learned about your, your background a little bit. We talked about the Office of Digital Transformation. Let's jump in. Let's go into the deep end now and talk about really what you're trying to work on. What are your priorities over the next six or to nine months? Yeah, so, so I think uh, driving this modernization activities that we talked about are, are, are going to be our, our primary focus. And we're taking a very holistic view to modernization. Not only do we need to modernize the technology stack, uh, we've got a lot of end-of-life deficit that's built up that we need to address, but we need to do that in a very thoughtful manner. We obviously want to migrate to the cloud. That's a big part of our priorities. But when we move to the cloud, we don't just want to do a lift and shift. You know, we can rack up the numbers uh, fairly quickly by moving uh, on-prem applications to the cloud. But if we just do a lift and shift, all we're going to be doing is, is, is moving the problems that we have on-prem to the cloud, and we're really not going to see much, much, much of the benefits that the cloud really offers. So we've got to do that in a very thoughtful manner such that we truly get the benefits that the cloud delivers. So, so doing that modernization and, and, and moving to the cloud in an effective way is, is a big part of that. The other area uh, that I just want to uh, put some color to is if you think about the changes that are happening within the, the technology area from a cybersecurity and network perspective, primarily driven by the cloud as well as changes that are happening in the cybersecurity area, they, they fundamentally require us to rethink everything. And what I mean by that is this, traditional environments, IT environments, and um, I think this is true across the federal government and even in the private industry, is we, we develop these perimeter-based networks and perimeter-based environments. We assume that everything was internal to an organization with this hard security shell around it. And now the cloud kind of challenges that. So how do we kind of move from the, the legacy design that we had to this new environment? It literally requires us to rethink the way we do our networks, the way we do our data centers, and the way we, we implement the cybersecurity. Um, you know, cybersecurity without a hard perimeter uh, requires a very different approach. And, and in the technology world, you know, we hear a lot of talk around the zero trust, which I think is absolutely the right model. But when you look at the details behind that, it is completely different to, to how we've done um, uh, cybersecurity in the past. So 
the, the point I'm trying to make is when we talk about a modernization, modernization in reality looks completely different to how the legacy environment was built. Um, and so at all layers of the technology stack, we need to rethink things, but, but, but we need to do that in a very thoughtful manner so that we get the full benefits of the, you know, that the new environments offer us. If we just do lifts and shifts and we try and take the simple approach of, of, uh, of just, just kind of looking at numbers of, you know, how many applications do we move from the legacy environment to the new environment? I think you, you lose the benefits that the new environments are aimed to offer. So, you know, we're trying to take an approach that takes that thoughtful uh, way of executing such that when we move from the old to the new, we truly get the full benefits that the new environment uh, aims to offer us. Many times when you talk about ensuring it's more than just lift and shift, but it's really, as you mentioned, the full benefits, there's an application rationalization, there's business process reengineering. Is all of that part of the move to the cloud right now, or where are you in that journey? Very much so. In fact, uh, we're having many discussions internally on, you know, again, the IT folks um, very often get too attached to certain applications and approaches and ways of doing things. And we're, you know, as part of the culture change that we're driving, you know, I, I, I talked about modernization being, you know, taking a very holistic approach. It's not just about modernizing the technology, but it's also about modernizing the processes and also the, 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 the ways we are working. And so we're challenging and looking at whether some of these legacy applications need to continue or whether we just need to fundamentally rethink the entire approach. Again, the point I made earlier, we're looking at this from a data perspective. The strategic asset that's of importance to the FDA is the data. So what is the best way uh, or the best approach we can take to create the best usable data sets? Um, to to deliver on our uh, 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 our uh, public health mission of uh, uh, delivering safe and effective products to the American population. So so everything is data driven. We're completely rethinking our approach. And in many cases, you know what we're finding is instead of an incremental change to a legacy application, it is more cost effective and more easier to completely rethink and start afresh. So, uh, so these are some of the, 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 the strategic thought processes we're, 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 we're uh, implementing and using in rethinking how we modernize. That's interesting you say it's in some ways, in some cases better to start fresh than to upgrade in, in, or modernize. Why is it because of the age of the applications? Is it because they're not necessarily meeting the business needs like they could or should? Help me understand that thought process. Many of our legacy applications were developed for that um, uh, previous generation of architecture. You know, the, the environment where we basically assumed, you know, we've got this hard perimeter, you know, everything's on-prem. It's the legacy environment. The new environment that we're working in today, the cloud-based environment, you know, where there are literally no boundaries, there's a lot of collaboration, internal, external, is very, very different. It's fundamentally different to, to how... The, the last generation of applications were built. And oftentimes it is more difficult to start clean than to create, um, uh, to basically try and take a legacy application into the new environment. In fact, if you look at many of the cloud vendors uh, and you look at email in particular is, is a great example to look at, you know, the Microsoft, Microsoft Exchange uh, server uh, uh, was used pretty broadly for, for email. Now, you know, Microsoft initially, I think, tried to, to make the Exchange server work in the cloud but then they fundamentally had to rethink the whole thing. And now they've come up with this Office 365 environment, which was fundamentally redesigned to work in the cloud. They found that taking the legacy exchange server and just putting that in the cloud, frankly, didn't give them the benefits or, or the advantages that the cloud 
offered. And so I think we need to kind of be thinking about that. Older applications would, you know, literally, I, I think in many cases, because they weren't designed to work in the cloud, oftentimes you had to completely fundamentally rethink them. I've heard that many times, and you're right. It's, it's, it's always a great conversation to, to hear different opinions about lift and shift versus, you know, total, you know, making m- many changes. Where are you in the cloud journey today? I, I know, you know, no one's at zero, no one's at 100. There's always a journey. But how much is the FDA in the cloud today, and, and where are you trying to get to? Well, I'm really tremendously proud of the progress we've made on the cloud side. I think over the last two to three years, we have really accelerated our, our progression towards the cloud and embracing the cloud. Today, we have over 24 cloud environments. So, so you know, the Microsoft Azure or Salesforce or Amazon uh, Web Services, we have 24 distinct cloud environments that we have access to at the FDA. And, and the, the, these are increasing uh, uh, literally on a, on, a, on a monthly basis. We have at least 75 production systems, uh, mission-critical pro- production systems that are now in the cloud. And again, that, that number is accelerating as we speak. We've embarked on what we call a cloud-forward strategy, where any new um, activity that, that we initiate, our, question of, of, of our first question we ask is, why shouldn't this be done in the cloud? Or what are the barriers to doing this in the cloud? In fact, I would say that in the last 12 to 18 months, I cannot think of any application uh, that we have um, embarked on, any new application we've, we've embarked on, that we've basically chosen to do that on-prem. On we are now increasingly and, and primarily leveraging the cloud as our preferred environment. As we rethink our legacy environment and we modernize the legacy applications, our progression towards the cloud will continue to accelerate. Do you have concern about cloud sprawl? It's a common thing, you know, 24 different cloud environments. How do you ensure that there's not too many clouds and how do you secure all those clouds? And, and do you have some sort of broker model or, or how are you kind of managing that part of, of this modernization? I don't have the same degree of concern with cloud sprawl as I have with data center sprawl, because I think the cloud is designed to be very distributed. And so it is very natural for new generation applications to work in this very distributed environment. So, you know, the APIs, the, 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 the methods you use to connect are much more mature today for things to work well in a distributed environment. But what I do worry about is what we shouldn't do is just add duplicative cloud environments. I think when you look at the cloud environments, you know, each one offers a different capability. And I think it's important for IT shops to be very thoughtful and mindful of not doing the same thing with cloud environments as we did with applications where too often we've had multiple applications with the same overlapping and duplicating capabilities. I think that's something we should be mindful and thoughtful about, but I don't think um, it's feasible for us to just have one or two clouds of, of, because I think there are, really, there are a lot of very specialized cloud solutions out there uh, that'll be um, useful to, to, to many uh, business activities. And, and I think the cloud environments are not only easy to, to enable, but they're equally easy to disable. And how you implement the cloud environment, you have to be equally thoughtful about making sure that you don't implement them in such a way that it's, it makes it very hard to disable them. You should leverage them for what they're useful for and then provide you a business benefit. And when they don't, well, we should move on to other cloud uh, environments. So I think we're, we're, we're entering in this, in this era of almost disposable cloud 
solutions. You know, you use them when they're great and then something better will come and you should be uh, equally agile to move on to that next uh, uh, capability and not be locked into uh, any one environment. That agility part is really, really important. The, the ability to quickly embrace something while it provides you a business benefit and then move on to something else when it provides you a greater business benefit. I love that idea of today I'm in this cloud, tomorrow I'm getting out of the cloud. It, it, it requires a whole different set of thinking for the, the public sector. But I think you're right. I think agencies are kind of starting to move in that direction, especially if they can really understand and, and use the pay by the drink, the consumption-based model for, for paying for it. Uh, I, I know that's one of the, the biggest challenges that still remains for a lot of agencies. And, and that's why I, I kind of emphasize the, 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 the point about data. The, the, what's important is the data these capabilities provide you. That's the strategic asset that stays with you. And you can always import that data into something new and export it out uh, uh, when you move on to something else. But the data is the, is the important strategic asset that you want to make sure that you do not lose. Vid, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Vid Desai, the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Vid Desai, the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. We talked a lot about the cloud. I want to just shift this over to cybersecurity uh, for, for a little bit because I know that you mentioned the, the change in, from perimeter-based networks, so the hard security shell we used to put around it. The cloud really has changed that perspective. And now with the President Biden's executive order, there's a whole big push for zero trust. We know OMB put out their zero trust draft strategy, secure software. How are all these different pieces and parts impacting your kind of thought process around cybersecurity uh, and, and the, the, the journey that you're on now to continually ensure that the data, the systems, the applications are all well protected? I was really pleased to see the emphasis and the importance that the president has placed uh, on cybersecurity through the executive order and much of the activity that the federal government is now uh, really shifting into a high gear towards zero trust at the FDA been, been interested and been, been thinking about zero trust for almost two years now, because we felt that it was going to be inevitable. Given, given the kind of role and, 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 and the work that we do, we do a lot of external collaboration uh, with many um, uh, other agencies as well as research establishments uh, and even sponsors. So the zero trust work is something that, that we, we feel is absolutely necessary to protect today's environment. The other thing that's that's happening here that's driving the the, the need to embrace uh, zero trust, not just on the collaboration side, the but threat activity has changed very very significantly. In the past, I think you know um, uh, we were very used to brute force attack, you know, a, 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 something that tries to overwhelm you through denial of service attacks and stuff like that. But now, in the last two years, the issues we see are much more sophisticated, uh, much more targeted. And so that requires a very different approach to security. And I, again, I think zero trust as a, as a new architecture or new way of doing cybersecurity is absolutely essential and, and we're completely on board uh, and it's a huge part of our priority. But zero trust also goes, um, is very closely tied with needing a, a network that is highly flexible. So again, our networks of the past were designed with this, this perimeter-based environment, very hardware-based. And now increasingly, zero, in my mind, zero trust and software-defined networks go hand in hand. Software-defined networks, essentially what they allow us to do is swap out the design of the network. Instead of that being based on hardware, you can basically do it based on software and policies. 
And we need a new environment, uh, network environment and, and cybersecurity environment that go hand in hand such that it is agile, it is targeted, it is sophisticated, and it is very, very precise in terms of what you what it allows you to do and what it doesn't allow you to do. And the stuff that it allows you to do, you ought to be able to do that in the in the most efficient manner, especially in this distributed network environment that we're moving towards. So you open the door of it, I'll walk through it. I imagine that means FDA is gonna be implementing some sort of software-based network to get toward that zero trust architecture framework. Yes, in fact, over, over, uh, both of our programs for zero trust architecture um, of, of shifting cybersecurity to, to, towards ZTA and SDN uh, are integrated. They go hand in hand. I don't think you can decouple them. There are so many, in fact, I personally believe, and, and I'm sure somebody will correct me, I don't believe you could implement an effective zero trust architecture without software-defined networks. I think the two are necessary and build on each other. I got that. I was thinking more about your plans for them both. Um, right now, uh, as you talked about, you've spent the initial couple years at FDA really trying to ensure that your network is, is meets the needs. Now, as you look forward, is SD-WAN something that's going to be on your near-term priority list? Is it something that's more medium-term? Oh, Where is it? Absolutely. In fact, we have a, a network designed for us uh, based on software-defined net, uh, networks. As we uh, replace our end-of-life uh, legacy networking equipment, the new stuff we're putting in is uh, is built to design and build our software-defined network uh, ambitions. So it's built to the new design. So we're not just replacing again, you know, uh, we're not, not just, you know, as we uh, replace our end-of-life equip- equipment, we're not just doing a, a straightforward uh, replacement. We are redesigning those components in the new way of working, which is based around software-defined networks and zero-trust architectures. All right, I'm sure there'll be a lot more to talk about as you go down that path. Vid, I see we're just about out of time before I let you go. Got to ask the question. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of vendors do listen to my show, and you are a new CIO, which means you'll get a lot of excitement to come see you, talk to you. What's your advice? How do you want vendors best to work with your office? Well, we value our partners and the talent that they bring to the table. You know, I mentioned earlier that in government, we, we work on a scale of problem that frankly is is at a level that we don't see in the private industry. And in fact, I personally believe that many of the problems and the the scale of problems that we're trying to solve cannot be solved by by us alone. We're going to need a lot of partnership with the with with our vendors. And so, what I would be interested in engaging with on the on the vendor side is looking at some of our business problems and and coming up with some very innovative solutions uh, and helping us uh, apply those in a very effective manner. Very good. And, and uh, I think it sounds like you have a good plan in place and hopefully you will not get too inundated from all these emails that will want to take a half hour of your time, Vid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'd enjoy the interaction, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, excellent. Vid, this has been a great conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Vid Desai is the Food and Drug Administration's Chief Information Officer. Vid, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.